Well, I, th- I think the first thing to clarify, I know niche rhymes with rich, but it's niche. <laughs> it's niche. I'm sorry. Niche to be niche. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways and, and find ways and discover ways to achieve those two goals. And we invite our friends on to help us. And today I'm very excited and you should be excited too, because Vince Warnock is joining us. Vince is an award-winning business and marketing strategist, coach, author, and host of Chasing the Insights podcast. And if you have any business or any ideas about starting a business and you have no clue how you're going to let the world know that you exist, Vince is going to help us with that. Vince, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I think no pressure there at all, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're going to solve all the world's problems. Change our lives here. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's so good to be here. So Vince, now, first of all, thank you very, very much because I know it's like the middle of the night, right? You're in New Zealand. So what time is it there now? Oh no, it's actually we've we've gone past that now. It's eleven thirty a.m. So we're oh, that's not this. too bad. That's yeah, not, not too, too bad. bad. <laughs> but to be fair, I have been up since one a.m. So this is my last meeting of the day. I mean, <laughs> I am I am switching off completely. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you sleep at all? Uh, four hours a night generally. Um, that's it's not through choice. I've got a genetic disorder. It's like a mutated gene that means I only sleep four hours a night. But I sleep very deeply for those four hours. <laughs> I wake up a hundred percent refreshed and. Like I, I wake up completely lucid, really annoys my wife because it used to be, you know, I go to bed and then I get up four hours later. And I'm like, right, I'm awake. Are you awake? Everyone awake. Come on, let's go do something. And she's like, dude, seriously, just calm down. <laughs> so I learned the, the subtle art of slinking out of the room. So, you know, <laughs> three o'clock every morning, I slide out of bed and no one ever hears me and I slither out of the room and then now I can be alive. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's perfect then for where you live and the work you do. So you don't have to... Yeah. Uh worry about you know waking being there on your calls and being like anyway so vince this is a question that i know a lot of people or a situation or whatever that a lot of people don't really understand like what is the difference between sales and marketing i think we use them interchangeably (laughs) and they're really not well they're not but they kind of are as well um so I'm i'm trying to challenge this at the moment so traditionally they were very very different so traditionally marketing was everything you did to draw people's attention to you and to get them to want to buy from you and then sales was selling to you so there's the difference between buying and selling so buying is you as a consumer go hey i've seen this product i've seen the service i've seen this offering i want it i'm going to go out and hunt it down so that was the marketing element and then sales was the conversation where if you're not sure they would convince you to come on over and (laughs) buy whatever it is they have to offer so it was always seen as those two things but what happened then was digital marketing kind of thrust upon the world. And immediately we're in this world where the lines between all of that are blurred so majorly that I actually don't know that you can fully distinguish between them now. Uh, I genuinely think the two work so intrinsically together that maybe we should just call it sales and marketing or come up with a new fancy word. We'll call it sarketing or males. No, that's yes, terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, sarketing sounds better. <laughs> but yeah, but the to me, it's think of it as in, in layers. I always think of life as a funnel and I hate using that term because everyone thinks, oh, click funnels or all these, you know, funnel software. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's a journey that you go through and you take your customers through all the way from they've never heard about you before. Um, so this is where your marketing kicks in. This is where advertising happens. It's where you're basically getting in front of people and, and starting to make them aware of you. 
Um, and then you go down, in fact, I've got the, I call it the six A's, but you go down basically the six A's pipeline. So you start with awareness, then you've got to grab their attention. Um, and that's again, where marketing kind of kicks in, where you're actually going, hey, um, we've got something that's going to make you pay attention to me right now. And it's something that's going to add value to you, or it's something that's going to cause you to stop the scroll, we call it, you know, when you're um, kind of scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, it's something that makes you pay attention and go, oh, hang on, I need to hear what they have to say. And then you have action where you, you actually want them to basically exchange their information for something of your value. In other words, for example, we call this a lead magnet. And I'm trying not to use industry terms here, so everyone can kind of realize what. Basically, by the way, marketers suck at this, right? Marketers are the worst marketers ever because we're so insecure. We think we have to make marketing so intelligent and sound really fancy and really complicated so that you'll all respect us and love us and think we're really brainy, but we're not. We're just creative, okay? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, I want to respect you. and I want to totally respect <laughs> marketers and love them. Absolutely. There we go. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> but now, look, um, so the idea is you've taken them past this awareness piece. They know you exist. You've grabbed their attention and then you need to add value to them. You need to say, okay, like, you know, um, here I am. I'm going to help you with whatever problem you have. And this is something that we do technically for free. So this could be a checklist you give them. It could be, like I do, my, my funnel is very clear. I go, okay, people are aware of me because I'm everywhere. <laughs> That's part of what I do. They get them, I get their attention with some, some really clear messaging around how I help people. Uh, so for example, I talk a lot about imposter syndrome, how to embrace imposter syndrome. I talk about some really, I break down some really advanced concepts of marketing into really simple terms that people can understand. And that gets their attention. Um, but then I go down to now, I want to add value to you. So, uh, and this is giving everyone my inside secrets here, but um, so I do free coaching calls or free strategy calls. So basically people can book a 30 minute call with me where they go, hey, I've got this challenge in marketing. or I've got this issue in marketing or an issue in confidence. Like I don't really want to show up for my business and it's really bugging me. Uh, or there's some mindset stuff I need to work on. Whatever that challenge is, they book that call with me. And I guarantee I will give them clarity at the end of that 30 minutes, which is a bold statement, but I've been doing this for so long. There's nothing new that people can come to me with and go, hey, Vince, unless it's like my flux capacitor is running out. And I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, um, but for most of the challenges, they usually just require you. Most people have the answers in them. It just requires me to draw it out of them and give them a sense of clarity. And then at the end of that, you see now, by giving them something for free, by giving them impact, you know, like impacting them, I've now earned the right to have a conversation with them to you know, i've earned the right to be able to market to them essentially or to sell to them whichever way you want to look at it um and then you take them through the rest of the funnel which is okay if they're still unsure you can meet the objections by giving them a low ticket item then they finally will convert and then from there you want to turn them into advocates and affiliates and all sorts of other things as well um, but it really is the difference between marketing and sales used to be marketing was all the stuff before a sale and sale was the, the kind of conversion point but now that conversion point happens during marketing. So essentially the same thing. And I think people don't want to be sold the way they once did. Not that they no. ever wanted, you know, the vinyl siding yeah. guy to show up at their doorstep, but they seem to have had more patience, don't you, do you think? Oh, totally. I, I think you've gotten on to one of the, the basic truths of the world as we know it at the moment. And, and I think this is a really good thing. Um, it's something that I... I won't say fight, that sounds so aggressive. It's something that I disagree with of a lot of my peers. And we have some very nice arguments about that, usually on stage at conferences, which is awkward. Um, but I'm of, the, I'm of the mindset that you should just add as much value to people as possible, genuinely. 
and and that's how to win right and you've got other marketers out there who teach well actually you should try and convert them as quickly as possible uh, even if it's low ticket then you move them up the value ladder and it's always about getting more from them getting more from them getting more from them and i'm like and i remember i i won't call him out because he's a pretty high profile marketer but um i had this conversation with one of them and we were both speaking at a conference and people noticed that we spoke very differently like we were almost the opposite of each other um, so they put us on a panel and we were discussing it. And I said, look, the challenge I've got with your approach, and I'll never agree with your approach, but the challenge I've got with your approach is all you're doing is selling. You're not marketing. Basically, you're going in and going, I'm doing a transaction. I'm going to get you to pay for this service. And I'm going to convince you to pay for this service. And then at the end of that, you're going to go away. You'll either have a good experience and therefore you might want to work with me again, or you'll have a bad experience and you'll, you'll disappear and you will never, never deal with me again. But it's a one and done transactional interaction. And I'm going, I'm not about that. And I don't teach people to be about that as well because your responsibility as an entrepreneur or as budding entrepreneurs or you know, even with your side hustles and things is really about building a relationship with your potential audience. That is so much more than a transaction. Uh, when you can, can give away as much as you can for free, and I know that scares people when I say that, but if you give away as much as you can for free, if you add as much value as possible to people, then what happens is they will buy into what you're doing. And I, I've had people that have followed me everywhere. Everything that I basically do, you know, no matter what company, they tend to buy into what I'm doing because they just want to be part of this journey because they know that I add value to them. In fact, I um, one of my so I accidentally became a coach, Christine. I don't know if I've told you this, but uh, I was the chief marketing officer at Signa Insurance. Prior to that, I had my own startup, which is a high growth tech startup, which we sold for sort of very good sum of money. Um, and I found myself going, I am really, really unfulfilled. I'm at Cigna going, okay, I need to do something different. This is not lighting my fire at all. I need to be where I'm impacting people. And I don't get the chance to do that when you're a chief marketing officer. That's a, I was going to say 24-7 job. It's a 48-7 job. It's, it's, a, it's a every ounce of time in you and even some more that you have to give to that role. So, and it's a wonderful place to work. Don't get me wrong. Wonderful leadership. I really loved what we were doing, but I was unfulfilled. So I said, I need to leave. And I was just going to leave there. And my goal was simple. I was going to leave there and write my next book. And that's it. Um, that very quickly turned into writing two books at the same time, because after a week, I found I was bored, <laughs> which I should have guessed. Um, it led to me launching my podcast, which has just been one of the most fun things I think I've ever done. But more than that, it, it meant that I had a lot of time on my hands. And a number of things happened. So COVID kind of hit just after I left. And, and a lot of the businesses I was interviewing for my book, I ended up having to help because they were all freaking out and they had no revenue, like none coming in at all. And I was very fortunate that I managed to turn every single one of those around. So every single one of them became profitable. In fact, three of them ended up doubling their revenue, which I was super stoked with. Uh, and one of them, my star little pupils, they tripled their revenue because they had actually had no idea what they were dealing with. They thought we've got this little boutique niche business here in Melbourne, or they, they were in Melbourne. Um, and then realized that all of Australia was desperately wanting what they had to offer. So that was that was incredible. Um, but then going on from that, I still remember um, one of uh, an ex-supplier of mine when I was at Cigna. So somebody that we would hire to do some work, like video production company. They were literally one of the best I've ever dealt with. And he reached out and said, hey, I haven't seen you in ages. I'd love to buy you a beer. And if anyone knows me, anytime someone says I want to buy you a beer or I want to buy you a whiskey or whatever, I'm there. <laughs> Just I'm cheap. <laughs> so I was like, right. So we went to the pub and I sat down with him. And before he even sat down, he said, look, I just need to be really upfront with you. And I was like, oh, what have I done? And he goes, uh, I've been speaking with my wife and my business partner. And we've just rebranded our business. I need your help. I want you to coach me personally. I want you to consult to us as a company. I want you to uh, coach my team 
and you know i'm not taking no for an answer basically and i was like oh and he goes i don't care how much it costs you just basically invoice me and we'll make this happen which by the way don't even do that to entrepreneurs it's a really mean thing to do because i'm going okay million dollars a month there we go no no okay maybe half a million oh i don't know what to do now <laughs> like, I know. you feel position. like oh i should really undercut myself because yeah, they're yeah. Some, oh yeah totally right yeah. one way yeah. one extreme or the other right? yeah a, a dollar a week no no um <laughs> million dollars i don't know um but anyway so i so I sat down with him and worked out what it is he wanted to achieve. I said, okay, what are your goals with this? Like, what, what are you hoping for working with me? And also what made you choose me? Like, why, why are we sitting here having this conversation? Um, and which is an interesting question to ask people, by the way, because he turned around and basically sold me on myself. Um, but he said, you've got no idea, do you? And he, I said, what? And he goes, it was almost a year to the day. And I went, uh, and I had no idea what he's talking about. But he reminded me that a year ago, uh, when I was chief marketing officer at Signa, I was, uh, he rang me up and said, look, you know, we're one of your suppliers. And basically he was in a position where he needed to grow and he was going, okay, I need to talk to people like Vince, who I respect. So he rang me up and said, can I shout you lunch and pick your brains? I'd love to hear the direction, like your input on the direction I should hear from my company. And I went, absolutely not. <laughs> Mainly because that's conflict of interest. I don't want to do that. So what I'll do instead is I'll pay for your lunch. I'll buy you lunch. And that way we can freely have a conversation. He goes, oh, okay, cool. So we ended up spending a couple of hours. He's just one of the coolest guys. And um, and we sat there and I just I just fed into his business. And I said, look, this is my what are the challenges I see you having. And I think these are easy fixes. And I think this is the area you should really be focused on for your business because that'll help you get to the next level. But also you need to understand some fundamental truths. And I challenged him on a couple of things. One of them is around his approach to his business. But one of them was around who he is as an entrepreneur. And I noticed that early on, well, a lot of what he said is, I don't need to be the center of attention. I don't need to be in the limelight. It's not about me. It's not about that. It's about my team, them getting the recognition they deserve, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, okay. But something didn't sit right with me when he was saying that. And then he started talking about his competitors. And I'm like, okay, I figured it out now. And so I said to him, can I challenge you for a moment? He said, what? And I said, you do realize it's okay to want to be the center of attention, don't you? And he looked at me blankly and I said, uh, I want to be the center of attention. I want recognition for what I do. I'm really good at my job. I'm really good at, you know, I like I challenge the industry. I've been doing this for years. I want the recognition that comes with that. And I want to be center of attention. There's actually nothing wrong with that. And he was like, oh, phew. <laughs> it was giving him permission to be himself. And not everyone's like that. Everyone's different. Everyone's got different personalities and different goals and things, but it's being true to yourself. So that's what I did in this lunch. And he went away from there. He went back to his wife and she said, oh, how'd it go? And he goes, oh man, that was really challenging, but amazing. He said, I, I, Vince challenged me on my brand. He also challenged me on, on who I am as an entrepreneur. And I don't know, I felt really, really convicted by it. And he said, but the weirdest thing, despite how challenging it was, when I came away from there, I was incredibly empowered. He said, I feel like I could do anything right now. This is awesome. I feel so inspired. And that was the point where they went, I wish Vince was a marketing coach. <laughs> I had no idea. It wasn't until I became a marketing coach where he's like, that's it, we're doing this. Um, wow. So don't underestimate impacting people. That is your biggest weapon. Yeah, and I mean, what you were saying before about people, you know, giving away as much as you can. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> in a way, it's like they're, they're doing their homework before they get to you, right? Up, up, you oh, can just sure. dive right into the good stuff, I would yeah. think. Well, if, if you think about whenever you make decisions or purchases and things like that, right, there's always, depending on the scale of that purchase, if it's a high ticket item, for example, there's always an element of fear that goes into it because you think to yourself, okay, I've done my research, right? I've looked into this. I know what I'm looking for. 
and I think I've found the right thing. Like, for example, if someone's looking for a marketing coach, they would research me, they would see my podcast, they'd see my book, they'd see the work I do with people, the wins, all these kind of things, the testimonials. They go, I think Vince is the right person for me. But there's still a fear there because you're like, I don't know what's on the other side of this decision. I don't know what happens if I say yes to Vince. What does that look like? Is that going to be something that I overcommit to and I realize I don't get the value out of? Or is that something that's going to be too challenging for me? Or is it going to be too basic for me? Is it going to be, what does it look like? So by giving them away, like giving away things for free, like basically helping to impact them, they get a taste of what it's like to work with you. And I know I'm focusing this on the coaching environment and the kind of um, the services-based industry, but the same thing applies to products. This is why they do taste tests in supermarkets. Yeah. You know, you go to supermarkets, one of my favorite things with all the wine taste <laughs> testing. I'm like, <laughs> I go into the supermarket going, I'm going shopping. I come out of there going, I love you all. <laughs> That's awesome. But they give you a taste test there because they want you to see what it's like on the other side of that decision, right. on the other side of the purpose. I call it um, peeking behind the curtains. Uh, and it's one of the biggest, uh, one of the other biggest tools we can do as entrepreneurs is go, hey, here's what it's like working for me. Yeah. This is why if you look at the different types of funnels, back to, back to that point that I hate talking about, <laughs> but you look at the different types of funnels, that's why a free strategy call with me works really, really well. Because people get an a insight into what it's like working with me. And when they come out of that feeling empowered, feeling encouraged, feeling inspired and feeling clear, clear you know, having that clarity, then to them, it's like, well, that was just a small thing I worked on. Yeah. imagine what it would be like if I work for Vince, I work with Vince fully. Yeah. Imagine what that would do for my business. So yeah, it's honestly, you're tapping into one of the fundamentals there, which I think a lot of marketers and, and certainly a lot of salespeople miss. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also, I mean, it allows people to self-select, you know, you're not going to have to have spend a couple hours with somebody to find out that you're not a match. You're not going to have to, I, I would think it would save a lot of time for you and actually make your whole job your whole thing much more enjoyable. Oh, for sure. And, that, and that's a scary thing for entrepreneurs as well, because particularly if you're new to this, um, the thought of people self-selecting means, but but I might not get them as a client. Right. And it's like, yeah, you might not. And guess what? That's a really good thing. <laughs> like seriously, every if you've been in entrepreneurship for a while, you know what it's like to work with a non-ideal client. <laughs> the client where it feels like it's really hard work or the client where you're not the right fit for each other. And that's the key. If you're not the right fit for each other, it's unfair on them and it's unfair on you. And this is what we need to get our heads around is there's enough abundance out there. You don't need to, there's no lack, right? There are so many people that need whatever it is you're doing. They need, unless it's something really, really niche. You're like, you know, a widget for 41 year olds or 41 in five days who happen to be blah, 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 there. Sure, maybe you've got a problem there. But for the majority of you, there is a huge market. Even if you've really niched down into a specific area, it is still a big market out there. Yeah. But not everybody is right for you or your offering. And you need to get really clear about that. And you need to accept that because there's nothing more freeing than firing a client. Like, honestly, it's it sounds horrible, but it's actually, it comes from a point of caring because you're going, I don't want you to be paying for something that's not right for you. Yeah. I don't want you to be uh, working with someone that's not the right fit for you. I would rather, in fact, I did this, uh, Christine, I think I told you offline, but um, when I opened the doors for my academy program, it was like, okay, I had all these people, uh, like I went through normal fear that every entrepreneur goes, I go, oh my goodness, what if I open the doors and nobody wants in? Like, Because <laughs> I was saying, I had a foundation members intake. So I wanted 20 different people to come through. All of my peers kept saying, this is your first group program, Vince. Limit it to four or five. There's no way you're going to get 20. And I'm like, I feel like that's the right number. I feel like people really need what I'm doing here. But fear came in and I'm like, well, what if nobody does? What if, what if I fail at this? 
So anyway, I opened the doors. I only allowed myself a week to market, which is a little bit of self-sabotage in there. Um, <laughs> allowed myself a week to market. And by the way, closed that week with all 20, which was amazing. That but I turned amazing. away somebody in that process. I turned away a few. One, because I didn't want to put them in a position. They they were like, I, I want to be able to afford this. I can't, but I'm going to make it work. And I went, no, 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 you're not. Um, because I want you, and I said to them, here's what I would do. I gave them some free advice around how to get another couple of clients so they were in a position where they could do this. Yeah. I said, but I don't want you coming into this program feeling that tension outside of here because you know finance is an issue, so don't do that. I turned away another one because they were actually with a coach and with a, uh, in another group program, um, and they weren't feeling fulfilled. They were like, my coach isn't there for me. Um, she happened to be pregnant as well, which made it really awkward. And then they were like, so I don't feel like I'm getting the time, so I want to join your group program. I went, no you need to go back to that coach and you need to be upfront with them because you're already paying for this. They, you know, they're, they're probably unaware that you're feeling this way. So go back and work with them. So they did and they came to a good resolve, but then they came back and said, but I don't care. I want to in your program now anyway, and I'm not taking no for an answer. And I went, okay, well, <laughs> we'll let you down. <laughs> okay. But the other client that I said no to uh, was very, very clear. They were based in uh, Scandinavia and time zone was already an issue there um the us and canada is fine and most of asia is fine for me for the group program yeah. but i'm the opposite of you know europe and scandinavia and that so it was like okay this is going to be a challenge but we'll make it work if it's right um and then this woman sat down and she told me everything that she did and i was so confused <laughs> i was like <laughs> this is not my world it was super woo woo stuff where i'm like i have no idea what she's talking about now um and then she like she explained it so many different times and it felt to me like it was these paragraphs where random words were stringed together that's how it <laughs> felt it felt like I wasn't even speaking English and I realized that to her target market this means a lot right um and I said to her like you know does this make sense does your messaging make sense to your audience she goes it does but I just don't have much of an audience and I'm thinking well there's part of the problem is you're only talking to people that deeply understand what you do yeah um but then I realized I'm not the right person to help her get to where she needs to be. And the main reason is I would have to spend more time learning about what she does. <laughs> what the heck is than, your yeah. business anyway? <laughs> so I actually said to her, look, I don't think this is going to work. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And I said, but here's a coach that I really, really recommend that is doing some stuff in your area. And they would understand this far better than I do. And I trust their judgment. And I trust their skills. I mean, obviously they're not brilliant like I am, but you know, they're almost there. <laughs> they're definitely as good looking as I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, I had to get really comfortable with that because saying no to someone is scary sometimes, especially when you're building a business, yeah. but it's the right thing to do because I would have consumed most of my time dealing with one client than dealing with the 20. And that's it. Exactly. But you know, it's the 80, 20 rule too, that, yeah. you know, 80% of your business is going to come from 20% of your clients. And yeah. if you're wasting all your time on that other 80%, then you're going to miss out on your profitable yeah. 20% because you're trying to learn all the woo-woo stuff or whatever. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I really didn't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, see, I must have, okay, the sad and sudden, I used to be an audio engineer, right? I, I trained as a computer engineer, so, a software engineer, computer engineer, electronics engineer, and an audio engineer. I just loved engineering. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I used to do concerts and like, mixing, you know, different Fun. albums and things like that, Fun. which was awesome. Um, now, in this call with a woman, she talked about this concept of a sound bath. Now, I did understand what a sound bath was, basically. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is going to change your life. And let me do this. And she's on a Zoom call. I'm thinking, I'm trying to help her with marketing, but she really wanted to make these noises. And so she started, you know, she had this metal bowl and she had the thing going around it and making all this noise. And she goes, now, how does that make you feel? You're obviously so relaxed right now. And I said, oh, no, complete opposite. I'm really anxious. And she went, 
why and i said because that frequency is 2.2 kilohertz which is basically the feedback frequency for the human voice which means as soon as you put that sound there i'm looking around the room going where's the mic that's in front of the speaker oh my goodness i need to move some things around like who is it wait i'm not a sound desk oh it's just someone making noise so <laughs> one of the things you never click yeah. that there's a subset of people out there that this just never going to work for <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. that's not an audio engineer kind of a woo woo thing <laughs> no 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 yeah, yeah. But so in my profession, I'm a real estate agent. Yeah. And I felt like saying, I'm sorry there for a moment, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good thing. I like it. I actually exactly. love it. Yeah. But that's part of the thing. Like I put a lot of content out there and I, for people and it, it, it has my personality. So when people yeah. read it, they might say, oh my God, you know, this person's crazy or whatever, or they might connect with it. And it's the people who are going to connect with it, who are going to become yeah. my clients. So I'm, fortunate that it's not you know it seems like oh i'm so lucky that all the people who come and work with me are wonderful and we get along great but it's not a coincidence right no, it's exactly. because they connected with the way that i yeah. you know put myself out in, into the well, world you've repelled all the ones that go oh my gosh she's crazy and you've attracted all the ones that go yes she's crazy <laughs> like, this is awesome exactly bring, on, yeah. bring it on oh she's nuts let's have it yeah. all right <laughs> this was a this was a weird truth for me to accept one day um so my personality type i'm a massive people pleaser right i i want people i'll be honest i want people to like me right that is just part of who i am everybody um, does so right? so to find people that just do not connect with me and do not like me was a horrible feeling at first until I actually accepted that not everybody likes everybody else. And there are people that irritate me. To be fair, they're usually the ones that don't, that don't connect with me. <laughs> I'm like, how could you do that? Uh, no, but there are people that you just don't gel with and that's fine. There are people out there that genuinely will, like if I'm working with them, it's going to unlock everything so much quicker for them. They're going to grow their businesses. They're going to get the success they need. They're going to get the breakthrough they need. They're going to have the confidence they need because we're aligned yeah. and because I'm the right person to help them accelerate. But I'm also very conscious there are people out there where I'm not the right person for that. They don't need what I have to offer. In fact, um, this has happened recently with a, a friend of mine who's a coach in the UK and she's this incredibly talented coach. And she came to me and just said, look, I've just been reviewing one of my clients and she's really in a bind at the moment. And like this, this friend of mine, she's very much the tough love kind of coach. And she's like, you know, I'm trying my approach, but she really needs something deeper. And I realized she actually needs what you have, Vince. She needs your level of empathy. She needs your encouragement. You have a, the ability to make people feel really good. That's what she needs right now. Not me coming in going, right, let's do this, bitch. <laughs> I'm like, come on. So, yeah, so we, and, that, and that's when we realized actually there are people that I deal with where they need that kind of tougher approach as well, where they're not going to get the breakthrough with me because they, they need someone to push them harder and harder and harder. So, so that's when we realized, okay, this collaborative thing is, is really important. And it's actually being able to go, hey, I will pick that client up for you and then I'll pass them back to you once they're fixed and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I, I mean, I imagine that some of the people like with me, there are people who don't come to you. You never know who's already decided that you're not for them. Yeah. So you don't have to repel half the people that come to you, you know, just, you just have that small percentage. I love that everyone with my personality right now is starting to get really insecure. <laughs> like, wait, there's a pile of people I don't know about that don't like me either. Oh, oh this no. is too much. Yeah. Christine, what are you doing? I don't to mean me they now? don't like you. I'm sure they would like you, I'm sure, but maybe they don't yeah. feel like you're speaking the language they need to hear for their coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Vince, how can we, like, say you have a new business, a new 
you're in a person who's just starting out and you, you're just like, well, you know, I told my three friends on Facebook that I was starting this new business. I mean, I hear this a lot, especially for people that are getting into real estate for the first time. And they tell you, oh, go out and tell everybody, you know, that you're in real estate. And they're just yeah. like, well, you know, I, I, they did, you just, how do you even begin to sort of find that group, find that tribe of people who are going to be the ones that are going to help you promote your business and become your advocates and, and buy what you have and talk you up and yeah i think the first thing that everyone needs to really understand and, and i need to emphasize this very very clearly there is no silver bullet there is no one thing that's going to suddenly make you be everywhere and make everyone pay attention to you and everyone wants to buy from you and even even when you do see this so we've seen this out there before so you look at some of the gurus in the industry um and these are wonderful people i'm not i'm not belittling them at all but you look at what people are known for so amy porterfield is known for online courses right um, you've got Russell Brunson's known for funnels right, with click funnels and everything. You just pick those two, for example. If you were in their camp, you would feel like the one thing that's going to get you the success you need is to create the ultimate funnel or the one thing that you need for ultimate success is create the ultimate course, right? But the reality is that's not even how they started. And both of them will tell you this. So Amy talks often about the fact her first course was a complete and utter disaster. And the next course was a disaster. And the next course did okay, but not really great. And the next course, and the next course, and the next course. So often when we look at this and we say, oh, these people were overnight successes. They, they obviously have found that one thing that's going to cause all the success for me. It's right. not true. And the other thing to note is you're not them. You're not wired the same way. You don't have the same experiences. You don't have the same learning. You don't have the same access that they do to certain things. So don't assume that their one thing is going to work for you. So I just want to put that out there first. Um, because it's one of the biggest things I have to deal with. Kind of one of the biggest messes I clean up with a lot of people trying to do marketing is, you know, putting all their eggs in a basket and saying, but that's what someone told me would work. And I'm like, yep, but you're not that person. So right, you need to right. find your own path. Um, but the other thing that, the one thing I would say then is probably the first step you really need to do as an entrepreneur. And you'll hear this a lot, but a different variation of it. You always hear you need to get in front of your customers mm -hmm. or you get in front of your potential customers. That's obvious. Um, but also it's not as easy as people say, right. but what, I, what I'm trying to teach people is you need to get really inside their head, right? I, I want everyone, to, unless you're very niche, I want you to get away from demographic targeting. So don't try and like, for example, unless you're a coach that only works with women or that you're selling adult diapers, you know, adult diapers, you can, <laughs> you can pretty much assume that an 18 year old or a 20 year old is not going to buy adult diapers, although... <laughs> Although in the party circuit, that could be quite handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> handy. It might be a niche market here we haven't thought of. But generally speaking, <laughs> you're targeting the over 65, those kind of things, right? So unless it's those specific scenarios, forget demographic targeting, right? Um, sociographic as well, it has its place, so, as does demographic sometimes. Sociographic is, is looking at their behaviors, really, and where they hang out, those kind of things. That's useful. But more than that, you need a, a concept that I, I call, I should really trademark this, Christine. <laughs> I'll call it thinker graphics. Basically, you want to get inside their head. And the only way to do that is I would do a couple of things. Firstly, I would do some desk-based research. Um, I encourage all my Academy members to do this. Um, Google autocomplete is your best friend. Um, simply open up an incognito browser, um, go to google.com and start asking questions that you think your audience would ask. And what you will do is the autocomplete will tell you the most asked question in that kind of category that you're doing. Uh, and even when you choose that and you scroll down the page, it'll have suggested other things that people ask or suggested other topics. This becomes like, write all these down. This becomes your list of questions that your target demographic, your target thinker graphic would actually have. And these questions are really important because 
in those questions are a number of things. Firstly, it's the wording of the question itself is exactly how they word things. So that's the marketing language that you're going to use to target the right people. And when you use their own language back on them, that's when they immediately know, ah, they're talking to me because mm -hmm. that talks to my need and to what I have and my concerns and my questions. The other thing it's going to give you, by the way, is a huge list of content to write, which is really handy because we all stress about how do I create content? Well, they're, they're asking all the questions. All you got to do is go out there and answer the questions. Trust me, it's not that hard. Right? Right. Just go out there and provide the answers to those. Um, and that'll speak to a volume of people as well. But the other thing that will happen is you will start to understand their objections you'll start to understand the, the things that cause them to pause for a moment, the things that jar them where they want to pull back, the things that make them step in and lean into what you're doing. You'll start to understand the way that their brain works. And the more you do that, the more it'll be easy for you to build that tribe, to get in front of that audience, because you'll start to understand, uh, like a good example of this at the moment, um, if we keep what I share, this is one of my clients, but they, uh, they, they have a very niche kind of, and well, they thought they had a really niche industry. They were like, okay, I'm dealing with quilters. So they deal with quilters and helping them with um, their health and things like this. It sounds a bit random, but <laughs> just trust <laughs> me on this one. Um, and so we went through this exercise. We did that. We also used a website called answerthepublic.com um, where you go and you just type a couple of terms and it gives you all the questions. It kind of summarizes what we were doing with autocomplete, but in a really nice visual way. So she used those two websites and uh, those two methods and went through just desk-based research and suddenly realized there were all these other niches that she wasn't aware of. There was the, and, and also she was talking about like back pain and neck pain, but in actual fact, there are a pile of people out there that have wrist pain and arm pain, which is connected to the neck, but that's the language they're using when they're searching. Hmm. So immediately, rather than go out there and go, I'm trying to find quilters who have neck pain, which will speak to some people, then she can go out into these quilting communities, into these Facebook groups, into these like, you know, Reddits, into actual practical like communities in the local area, partnering with people that supply quilting um, supplies. I don't know enough about quilting. I just realized, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really making that one up as I go along. Um, yeah, quilting, I was going to say needles. I don't even know if they use needles. I really need to talk to her about that. Um, but, yeah, no, but she would be in all these areas. And rather than talk to them in a language that some of them would understand, talk to them in a language that all of them understand. And the minute you're going, hey, does anyone suffer from hand pain? Oh, yes, blah, blah, blah. Are you sick of getting told, stop quilting or slow down on quilting? Nobody slows down my quilting, blah, blah, blah. And they get really vicious about it and things. But immediately they feel understood, they feel heard, and they realize they're talking to the right person. So that's a technique I teach to kind of start to build that tribe is to get in their head and understand the questions that they have. And then you generate the content based on that. Uh, and then there's, honestly, there's, we, we don't probably have time to dig into how to structure that content, but there's ways to make sure that they are highly engaged with you and that they want to reach out to you. But then the other thing you need to do is you just need to talk to people. You need to go out there. You can't avoid this in the early stage. I know a lot of entrepreneurs go, oh, I just want to create the cool online ad and then that's going to get me all the sales. I don't want to interact with people. You have to interact <laughs> with people. In fact, it's, I don't want to know a, who my customers are. Exactly, exactly. But it's an absolute must. See their for a number profile of or whatever. Yeah, it's a must because you want to get inside their head. Again, think of graphics. You want to actually understand how they tick and you want them to tell you stories. But the other thing that's going to happen is it's going to create a connection between the two of you. Right? It's going to create this connection that means they're going to be actively trying to find people that can connect with you as well. I mean, it's like I say to Christine, like Christine is a very likable person. Like most people that meet Christine go, oh, I immediately like Christine. So therefore, when you're meeting Christine and, and you're not in the market for real estate, 
but you're like, man, she's so crazy in a good way. So therefore, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I'm talking to a friend of mine who wants to buy a house or sell a house. Hey, you really need to go and talk to Christine. And so, you know what I mean? It's building the tribe through getting inside their heads. Yeah. So you said something that I want to make sure people hear, which is that is you that you're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I just spun around so I got the right, the yeah. light on my face. Now you said a lot of things actually, but there's one specific thing that I want to make sure people heard, and that was that you have to open an incognito browser. Yes. Because otherwise, right? Google is trying to answer the question of you as you, and you don't, yep. you're not, you don't want to be you. You want to be incognito. So that yep. I just think that's an important point that I want to make sure people didn't gloss over. Yeah. Well, a lot of people miss Christine when they do when they when they look at autocomplete, they forget that there's actually I'm colorblind, so I don't even notice it. But there's two colors of responses. There's, I think, a purple. Um, just realized a culling blind person answering this is not really a good <laughs> idea. But there's like a purple one there, which is at the top, and those are autocomplete answers based on your previous searches and then there's the black ones down there which are the autocomplete based on popularity and other people but you want to avoid that because you want as many results as you can so just go straight to incognito browser it ignores your search history um, it ignores all the things that you've been looking for it doesn't try to profile you it profiles your general audience yeah yeah so that's that's powerful and the other thing that you brought up i mean like i said i'm not you brought up a ton of stuff which is <laughs> excellent and amazing what christine's trying to say is i love talking and that's quite correct (laughs) (laughs) no what i want to say is i don't want you to think i ignored all the other stuff you said but i'm just zooming in on some some a couple specific things that i that i'm curious about myself and that i want to make sure that we talk about and one is is niching yep you know i mean quilting quilters with neck pain that's a that's a niche right Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was I was at a conference the other day and and the person had started their career by focusing on nurses over 55 in a specific county. Yep. And a lot of people say, you know, niche to be rich or niche to be rich or whatever. And the, yep. what is your feeling about that? Because I know we all have this fear that no, I I can sell to anybody, you know, I can yeah. do anything. And and is that killing us or is that helping us? Well, I, th- I think the first thing to clarify, I know niche rhymes with rich, but it's niche. It's niche. <laughs> I'm sorry. Niche to be niche. It's a French word. It's pronounced niche. So it's yeah. niche. Uh, but I know that doesn't rhyme with rich. So, <laughs> so we're uh, I'll forgive you. Word. Uh, it's always refreshing when I come across people that pronounce it right. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> um, but the other thing to note is it's not like there's this fear as an entrepreneur where you think if you get really specific, down to a niche like you identify that there's this small and i I wouldn't even go down like i said i I would ignore the demographic kind of targeting on that i would get down to needs-based niching so for example in that when i talked about with quiltings so that's the quilters who have hand pain that is a direct need it is hand pain for somebody who happens to be a quilter so if you're niching down to that level there's a fear as an entrepreneur that well that means i'm excluding all these other people but that's not actually true what it means is you are speaking directly to your community Um, and i will give you an example of this so i i have three kind of tiers of people that i deal with right my my kind of i always say it's a primary audience a secondary audience and a peripheral audience or a periphery audience so my primary audience tends to be entrepreneurs that are earlier stage where they're going okay i know what i have to offer i know what i'm trying to do i know the impact i'm trying to make but i'm struggling to generate leads 
or I'm struggling to convert leads, or actually marketing is just really overwhelming. <laughs> like I don't even know where to begin. It's really annoying me. I've kind of used my own networks and things to get the level of success I've got now, but help. And usually that's the one thing I hear most, help. Uh, so that's my primary audience. But then I have a secondary audience, which is the more seasoned entrepreneurs. They're, they've been around the block a number of times and they go, hey, look, you know, I'm at a level now where I've had a level of success but I really now need to break into that new level. And that almost always involves thought leadership. And that is one of my areas of speciality where I teach them how to become authors. I teach them how to launch podcasts. I teach them how to get booked on summits and all sorts of different things, you know, like that's positioning themselves as a thought leader, coming up with their own frameworks, all those kind of things. And then my peripheral is marketers. And this is just marketers in general, usually at corporate organizations. And that's primarily because of my reputation in the industry. Uh, if you've been in marketing for long enough, there's certain names that go around all the time. So people tend to follow what you do. So that's okay. But if I tried to be everything to all three of those markets, I would fail miserably. And a good example of this is the marketers and like the periphery um, audience and the secondary audience, so the seasoned uh, entrepreneurs, would all understand the concept of SEO. Uh, and I'm an I'm a SEO specialist, that's search engine optimization. Um, it's something that I have a weird kind of passion for, <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure it means I'm slightly insane, but that's okay. But I love search engine, search engine optimization. I love it when it's done right. Um, so I approached one of my target market. This is my primary market. And it was these two women in Melbourne. And they, uh, they don't like me calling them little old ladies because apparently that's quite offensive. So I, I do joke with <laughs> yeah. them about that. But, um, but they're these two wonderful entrepreneurs. And they're on the precipice of something really quite big, which is awesome. So we launched their website and I taught them how to do the website. They did all the work themselves. It was so awesome to see. Uh, they did the website themselves. They kind of put the business out there and everything during a lockdown. And honestly, the response was incredible. But then we were like, right, how do we now keep this momentum up? I don't want you paying for advertising. I want this to come through organic. So, and the, the organic means, and they understood that. And I said, so what I've discovered is you're not ranking on Google. So uh, I'm going to do a search engine optimization audit, and then we'll come up with a strategy for your SEO, basically to get up the rankings. And they just looked at me blankly. And I was like, uh, and they said, look, love, we don't care about any of that. And I'm like, what? And they go, we just want to be found on Google. And that's when I realized <laughs> like, that's exactly what I was saying. So I quickly, by the way, flipped the script on that as fast as I could. And I just said, okay, how about this? You're not getting found on Google, are you? And they went, no, no, no. How about I find out why you're not getting found on Google? Oh, that would be awesome. Thanks, Vince. And then we'll come up with a strategy to get you found on Google. Take my money, Vince. Right. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, by targeting them specifically, that niche specifically, I can speak in their own language. I can speak in things that resonate with them, that make them know they're exactly where they need to be and they should be engaging with you. So this is why niching, as scary as it is, because that would make me feel like, oh no, I'm locking out my secondary and my peripheral market as well. And anyone else that wants to buy from me, I just want all the sales, you know, <laughs> I want all the money. Um, like there's a fear that you're locking all these things out, but actually you're speaking directly to a pile of people and you'll get higher conversion rates on that. And weirdly, it doesn't exclude your secondary and peripheral markets as well. Because often they go, I know this is specifically for that person there, but you know what? I want in. Uh, and I had a good example of this. I'm not a YouTuber. I used to run a YouTube channel back in the day talking about Marvel uh, comics and Star Wars and all the cool stuff that I love so much. Um, I used to run it with my son and it was just us two joking around and having some fun. But I'm definitely not what you would call a YouTuber, right? <laughs> um, but I'm in a few YouTube channels because I like to keep up to date with these kind of things. And a woman went into a YouTuber's Facebook group right, to have conversations in there. And 
um, immediately thought, oh man, I'm in the wrong place. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm not trying, I'm trying to build a business. I'm like, oh yeah. And then uh, she saw somebody asked a question in that group. And I answered that question. I said, look, uh, here's how I would approach this, blah, 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 blah. Look, if you need any more clarity, just yell out. I can always jump on it. I'll call with you if you need. And that person never responded. That's okay. Um, but this woman that was in there went, I'm in the wrong place. I'm not where I need to be right now. Um, but saw my response to the other woman and went, okay, this is bizarre, but I feel like this person might be able to help me make sense of all of this. So I reached out and said, I saw you offered a free call with that person. Would you be open to doing the same with me? I said, yeah, sure. Jump on a call. Yeah, <laughs> like Love meeting friends. Um, jumped on a call with her and she wasn't my primary market. She was in, in a different market and different tier, but immediately connected with me and then bought. But you see that like, you're not excluding them by getting really niche. You are just getting really tight and really helpful to the people that are in the niche. And then the others will see what you do and want in on that as well. Yeah. And I can also see the power of, you know, just to use the example of this guy, like if you have a friend who's a nurse over the age of 55, who, you know, yeah. in this case needs whatever it was, life insurance or something, or yeah. you didn't have them. And, and you know that you have to, this person's going to pop into your head. Whereas if you just say, oh, I do financial planning for everybody in the world, there isn't a, a, a like a little tiny trigger that's going to make the light, the alarm go off in somebody's head to say, oh, yeah. you're this, oh, you need this person. You know, I, I think it'd be easier to speak to your market and also easier for other people to refer. Yeah, definitely. To you. Yeah. Well, it makes it, it makes it really, really clear what you do. And, and believe it or not, that's actually one of the biggest problems entrepreneurs have. Uh, we get so stuck in our head. And th this is something, and you'll see this, Christine, it's hilarious. Most entrepreneurs try to sound intelligent. So, you know, like if you, uh, I'm trying to think of an ex uh, example here. Um, so if you're a search engine optimization specialist, right? Um, you could call yourself, you could call, like when you're talking about your message, you could say, I help you get found on Google. And that's going to speak to a very like specific niche, but it's going to speak very, very clearly to them. Right. Or you can say, I'm a transformational search-based coach who um, like, you just, and you come up with all these words to sound intelligent and sound important, but it speaks to nobody. Exactly. So getting really simple and really clear in your messaging and really clear in what you offer means you're speaking directly to your audience and it makes it easier for them to identify, like you said, in that case to go, hey, actually, I know someone that would be a good fit for this. Well, and I, you know, it also helps you to clarify it in your own mind, right? Oh, I yeah, mean, for sure. Yeah. Somebody talks to you and you say, oh, yeah, I can help you. And then someone else talks to you, oh, I can help you and I can help you. And it's like, you know, squirrel, you know, you just. <laughs> yeah, uh, we call it the squirrely brain club. We've discovered yeah. that most entrepreneurs are ADHD or, or suffer from exactly. shiny objects, good syndromes, yeah, squirrel exactly. syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if you've got there, by the way, it means you're probably just going to succeed. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you like were horrible in school, not horrible in school, but if you know, like your teachers were, you know, you were unruly and you didn't want to follow the rules in school and all that kind of stuff, like that's kind of a theme as well. Like, did you yeah. have trouble in grade school or teachers always, you know, calling your parents, you know, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're just speaking to my life right now. <laughs> mine was though, mine was that I was the cheeky kid. So I was at, so I grew up in a, a really poor area of New Zealand, a really poor neighborhood um, in a really abusive kind of environment, abusive family, abusive environment around us. So most kids I knew suffered from abuse at home. Um, so when you go to school, you were in a school where I was, and I, I don't mean this to boast, but I'm, I'm quite an intelligent person. So I was quite an intelligent kid. And I was going to school where some of the teachers that we had there, honestly, I knew more than they did, which is quite scary. Um, and you were just in this environment where I'm going, oh, I'm bored. Uh, just I'm not challenged in any way so I'd be the cheeky kid 
So yeah. I was the one that usually said, oh, why are we doing that? Like we're ever going to get the opportunity to do that in real life. The tip, <laughs> you see the teachers just going, you little dick. Like, <laughs> yeah, I see it in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time my, my mother got called in because the teacher was complaining that I wasn't doing my homework. And my mother said, well, she's getting straight A's. She said, well, this is when yeah. this was an English class. She goes, well, she's figuring out the words from context. She goes, she's not doing her homework. I was like, oh, yeah, we, we had this with my son. My son is like, his IQ is off the charts. Like, he's an incredibly bright kid. But when we were at primary school, they really struggled with him because they couldn't keep up with what he needed. Um, so well, I remember one of the, the math teachers, we do these things. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is in the US, but they're called, uh, in fact, I've forgotten the name of them here. Um, <laughs> we do these these exams anyway that the kids do where it basically works out the level that they're operating at. Yeah. Uh, stay nine test, that's right. So you go from stay nine one to stay nine nine, which means you're excelling in all the areas there. Um, and it's based on where they think you should be on your age, which I fundamentally have issues with, but never mind. Yeah. Uh, but as a parent, it got you to know if there was any developmental issues or anything. Right, right. And we were talking with one of the teachers there and she goes, oh, I was really surprised. I said, what? And she goes, we've just done the stain line test with Jarvis, now my son. And I said, yeah. And he's a stain line nine. I went, yeah. And she goes, he's <laughs> off the charts. I said, yeah. And she goes, but I thought he was having difficulty because he wouldn't wouldn't really, you know, push himself. He wouldn't really volunteer any answers. He wouldn't blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, first of all, he's an introvert. So he's not going to volunteer answers anyway in that kind of environment. And I said, second, he's bored out of his wits. He hated going to school. He liked yeah. the social aspect of it. And he goes, but dad, there's no challenge there. Yeah. So fortunately, they had a really good principal there who, uh, and by the way, made me really annoyed with that teacher. I'm going, how did you not spot this? Like you're, right? just, you're sitting there thinking this kid's having issues and you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. You had to spend more than five minutes with him. You would have known that he's actually, you know, this is not a challenge. Incredibly bright. Yeah. 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 But they, they had a really good principal who then did turn around and say, okay, well, we're not equipped to deal with him, if we're honest. I said, that's okay. And he said, but we're going to try something different. And they made our son, this is at age seven, I think it was, he became the school's IT person. So he would repair all the computers. He would teach He would teach the teachers how to use them. And they were so frustrated by that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's not until he's at university now and uh, where he is actually challenged and he is thriving and he's loving it. And I'm like, man, just how many kids through either not being challenged or being challenged too much. I, you know, if they've got developmental issues or they're just not really, they haven't grown up in an environment where they're, they're pushed at all. Yeah. How many kids are just dropped out of the system or left because, I know this is a random random tangent here, but how many of them are dropped out because they don't have the support that they need? It's, it's oh, crazy. Because they're teaching to this average, maybe exactly. not even average, you know, the lowest common yeah. denominator. Oh, and, and how, how's this for a segue? And that's why coaching is so important. <laughs> <laughs> because don't just try and learn what everybody else does you need to partner with people that adapt to you because you're very different and you're very unique as an entrepreneur um, and that's something i think i really want all entrepreneurs to understand is that even if you're building a widget right you're building uh i'm looking on my desk here you're building a uh a whiskey glass it happens to be on my desk i don't know why i swear um <laughs> you're building you're designing whiskey glasses you are one of many many different whiskey glasses out there but your approach to that whiskey glass is uniquely you. Um, you are somebody who has different experiences, different scars, different battles, different uh, learnings, different teachings, different people have spoken into your life, different experiences, different personality, all these unique combination of things that makes your approach to your business different from everyone else's. 
And even though you may feel like you're a fish in a very large pond and there's so many other fish exactly like you, there is actually nobody exactly like you. You are incredibly unique. So that's why there's not one size that fits all for all people. Uh, in fact, even in my group program, I teach what I call the earn method. So it's a four stage kind of process I take people through. But the reality is it's adapted to each different individual in there. Like the, the program as itself is not really, I, that's not the purpose. I'm not going, you have to do every stage of this. You have to learn all these different things and then you will have success. That's not true. What you have to do is you have to pick and choose what works for you. You have to pick and choose what's going to help you to accelerate and you have to adapt it. Uh, in fact, I teach, my, I teach all my students, steal everything that I teach you. Just steal it and retrain it to somebody else. I don't care. Like just be able to get in there and, and adapt this stuff and make it your own because that's what's going to help you succeed. So I, I just try to teach as many entrepreneurs as possible. Don't compare yourself with other people. They're more of a hot mess than you probably think they are. And they're probably just as much of a hot mess as you are. And they don't know as much as you probably think they do. They probably know the same as you. They're just really good at looking like they know what they're doing. So stop doubting yourself and be yourself. Beautiful. And I love that, Vince, even like listening to your podcast, how supportive you are and how much in love you are with this entrepreneurial community. It's very, it's very inspirational. It's really great. Oh, I just, I genuinely think, and, and I'm going to get sappy for a moment here, but I genuinely think entrepreneurship is a high calling. And, and by that, I mean, it is the, it's pretty much the backbone of our economies, um, but it's the good backbone of our economies, you know, large corporates, which I've worked in quite a few. Um, but the, the reality is they're driven by bottom line. They're driven by, I'm going to say greed, but even the good ones as well, they have an element of that in there. But they're not really driven by any altruistic intent. They're not driven by wanting to impact people and wanting to change people and wanting to help people. This is where entrepreneurs step in and small business owners. You are the, the mums and dads. You are the ones who really want to make a difference in this world. And I, I just think that's incredibly powerful and something that I think we should want more people to do, um, which means we need to make sure that you are winning. So that way people know that when, when they want to do it as well, there is hope for them out there. Yeah, so call Vince. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah. You. Yeah. I like that segue. That was nice. <laughs> Vince, I can't believe our hour is gone so fast. Oh I could goodness. talk to you for 10 more hours. Yeah. Um, I know everybody thinks that I'm just here talking to you, you know, podcast helping them, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's just selfish. We're just catching up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're just recording our phone conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have to, you know, I forgot, as I sometimes do, to remind people to subscribe to the podcast because we have all kinds of, not normally as great as Vince, but we have all kinds of great guests who are helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. And I love the fact that that's probably something Christine says to every guest, but yeah, that's cool. I'll take it, you know? <laughs> no, listen, you have to listen no, to all the episodes. No one else find is bold as me. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, please, you know, remember to subscribe, remember to support Vince. I'm going to put all of his contact details on, on the um, show page, but Vince, can you just tell people how they should get in touch with you so they can have their free intake call? And oh man. Yeah. Really easy. I make life easy for you. Just go to chasingtheinsights.com. It's wonderful. There's a menu item there. You'll see free strategy call. Go and book that now. You'll see where you can connect with me on social media. Actually, just do that. Unless you're a spammer, then steer clear because I don't <laughs> like spammers. <laughs> but if you're just an entrepreneur that needs some help or needs some advice, come and join me. Come and join my Facebook group. Come and connect with me on social. Book that free strategy call. And also, that's where we have the podcast with amazing, amazingly talented guests such as Christine on there, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Vince. And also, 
just another appeal because I need your help. You know, I'm trying to get to 50 countries. I'm not, I would like to personally go to 50 countries, but I want the podcast to be in 50 countries by the end of the year. We're up to 26. So oh. that means it's on each of you listeners to take it and forward the link up for the podcast to one of your friends who lives in some faraway place. I mean, we have Do some it. pretty cool, interesting countries out there, but they're definitely, please. Do well, you definitely part. have New Zealand in that list now, Christine. So we there you do, go. Yeah. <laughs> Avid fan. Is that awesome. you by any chance? <laughs> it is me. Yes. <laughs> and some other people I know. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Vince. Cool. All right. Well, thank and thank you, listener, for listening. It's been a pleasure talking with Vince, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you, Vince, so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and we'll see you next week.